Hey, what's going on, Cougs House? Uh, today's episode is going to talk some about football. We're going to look back to football season, those kinds of things. Obviously, uh, in light of things going on in professional football around the world, uh, we just want to first and foremost give our thoughts, prayers, condolences um, to, or I guess, first of all, shoot to first to Demar Hamlin, uh, Buffalo Bills family, his family, um, also T Higgins and the Bengals family, and everyone surrounding the events that went on on Monday Night Football. If you're listening this Tuesday morning, football is not your jam. Please come back when it is. Um, and in the meantime, I want to recommend Lockdown College Basketball. Andy and I spent a couple segments over there today talking about the Cougs and those kinds of things as well. So hopefully get your mind off of those kinds of things. I'm looking forward to talking to you some about the Cougs football season, but I totally understand if you look for somebody else. Uh, so go check us out on Lockdown College Basketball Talk Hoops instead if that's more your jam. Again, thoughts and prayers to Hamlin, his family, and everyone involved in what was truly uh, painful on, on Monday night. So uh, thoughts and prayers up that way. Um, and again, come back when you're ready for football. If you are, let's get to it. Cook's house. All right. So we got a break between basketball games. We don't play basketball until Thursday. Football season just kind of wrapped up for almost everyone. So I think it's time to take a look back at it. Let's do it. You are locked on Cougs. Your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Aintress, here to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can stop by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can get the latest on the Cougs all year long. That way you can pop on your news feed so you can make us your first listen of the day. And we appreciate being your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It looks like we're up over 280 these days in our subscriber count. So make sure you hit that up. Jack that up. Once we get to 500, we are going to be giving away another t-shirt. We gave one away at 250. Uh, we're giving one away at 500 as well to be entered to win. Make sure you comment. We're going to give the t-shirt away to a commenter. We're still looking at what to give away. Jamal Shedd just dropped some cool point guard Jamal Shedd merch from the U of H. I think it's all NIL money too. It'd be a good way to support him. Uh, we, we may be looking around. Sparkle has been involved in the NIL sphere. Uh, so maybe giving away a Sparkle t-shirt. We'll see all those kinds of things. If you got an idea for that, hit comment down below. Leave us a comment on what you think. Or if you can't think of something to write down in the comments down below, tell us if you eat black eyed peas for good luck in the new year. All right. Today's episode is uh, going to be a football focus episode. Again, we don't play basketball again until Thursday night. So we're going to spend a day or two kind of looking at football uh, because it's been a minute since we looked at the football program. So today we're going to kind of look back at the season and we're going to kind of grade each of the I should say the five losses and one almost loss <laughs> from the season, because I think as we look back, they don't look as ugly as we thought they did in the moment. Um, and then tomorrow, just previewing tomorrow's awesome football episode, we're going to get to talk to some, I'm going to see, is this a surprise? Yeah, was this a surprise guest to talk about recruiting for the U of H and kind of how the recruiting cycle has been. I think it's been a fairly strong recruiting cycle for the University of Houston. So I'm excited to talk to you about it tomorrow with a special guest, and I'll leave that secret until then. All I have to say today, we're going to look back at the past football season. Uh, if football is not your jam, I'm also on Lockdown College Basketball Day, so make sure to go check that out. Uh, the way back to our regularly scheduled basketball program is it is basketball season come uh, Thursday to preview the SMU game. All right, so in looking at the bat at the football season, kind of going through and grading, uh, there were five losses. Uh, Houston went 
eight and five. Notoriously went eight and five. Um, and we'll look at the five losses as well as um, quickly uh, looking at one. I think it kind of felt like a scary almost loss to start the season. Uh, we're going to kind of look at what happened in each game and kind of how the other team ended up doing and why they might not have been such a bad set of losses. Because frankly, Houston played uh, a lot. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, uh, six, seven, eight one-score games in a 13-game schedule this year. And that's not, I mean, SMU is not a one-score game, but it was a very close game for a lot of it as well, right? Um, I think it's important to note that like this season could have easily been like a 10-11 win season and one or two things gone the right way. Also probably could have also been like a six and eight win season uh, had things not gone our way. So I'm looking at the, at the schedule. We're going to start as it starts. We start with UTSA, a barely win, and then a Texas Tech loss. Then we're going to talk, take a quick break and then come back to talk about Kansas, a loss, Tulane, a loss, but not bad losses at all. Then take another quick break and then come back and talk some about SMU and Tulsa. Those kind of were bad losses. So first, the UTSA, um, Houston barely beat UTSA. It got to overtime um, at 37 to 35 victory for the Cougs. Uh, I also think like it's worth pointing out UTSA um, went on to then win, what am I counting here, uh, 11 of their next 12 games. Uh, they would also lose to Texas, a, a Big 12 team, and we're going to be a Big 12 team next year. So that makes some sense. But then they won the rest of their games until they got to the uh, Cure Bowl. I don't know what the Cure Bowl is, but they lost to Troy in a one-score contest in the Cure Bowl. That's two top 25 teams facing off, though. And so if I look at this UTSA loss and we go back to like what happened in that moment, uh, triple overtime loss, which means it got all the way to the point where we were alternating two-point conversions, and we got one, and they didn't. Um, but this game, I think, kind of started off the season on a sour note for a lot of people because Houston's coming off of the 12-2 and season last season, moving into the Big 12 next season, and we're hoping for a much better filling to that sandwich, if you will, with me, right? We're hoping to have kind of a good kickoff to the season. UTSA feels like a warm-up game. Who would have known the Roadrunner is going to have, again, an 11-win season of their own? Um, frankly, Houston doesn't get to get things going really until the second quarter. Uh, eventually, we do see Clayton Toon connecting with Tank Dell for a touchdown pass, not once but twice. Um, and we actually got to see Clayton Toon sh- sh- quarterback Clayton Toon show off his legs some as well as the game went on. Star of the game, though, probably ends up becoming uh, Bubba Baxa, the kicker, uh, which is weird to say, but he very much keeps Houston in the game get into, oh, I guess he kicks the field goal and then you say kicks the field goal and so on back and forth then in overtime as well. Um, I I guess I, I feel like this ugly game though ended up being a more hard fought, hard fought game between two potentially very strong teams, right? Again, UTSA was a top 25 ranked 11-win team by season's end. Houston beat them. I think we need to like pat ourselves in the back a little bit there. That was not as ugly as it got or as it felt. They also, I think worth pointing out, uh, lost to Texas Tech the next week also in overtime fashion. Now, um, this one, I think we would all understand a little bit better. Um, it only took the one overtime, but um, it. <laughs> I, I do think that... Uh, any, anyway, I think that this was interesting in that... Um, as I look at this game and I look at the Texas Tech game, I feel like 
Houston was hyped up because they thought Texas Tech was not going to be a great Big 12 team, but was going to be a Big 12 test. I don't think that's fair in hindsight, right? I don't think it's fair to think of the Ed's like, oh, they were low into the Big 12 and it's going to be kind of our way to sneak it in to the Big 12, right? We're sneaking in the Big 12 next year. And this is our chance to like show off that we can beat Big 12 teams too, guys, right? What ended up happening actually was that Texas Tech uh, showed off that they still have a fairly potent offense. They scored, uh, by my account, what is that? Uh, 20 points in regulation on the Cougs. Um, and again, we kind of thought that Doug Belk had a stronger defense than that. Uh, we saw Donovan Smith throw 36 of 58 for 62, uh, 62% throwing, uh, throwing, passing for 350 yards with two touchdowns. I think what's interesting there is like, that's a name that we're about to get really acquainted with because after the transfer portal, he's now Houston Cougar, right? Um, so clearly we had to at least think somewhat highly of him at least enough for him to recruit him once he gets to the portal right after that performance. He also had uh, 21 rushing attempts and a touchdown in that game. That may be more about Houston uses him once he shows up to the third ward. That's neither here nor there. What is here and there is that loss to Texas tech felt like a gut punch. Like, Oh man, are we really ready for the big 12? But that Texas tech team did lose North Carolina state. Then turn around and beat Texas two weeks later, right? Turn around and beat West Virginia a few weeks later. Toronto beat Kansas a few weeks later. We'll get to that more on Kansas in a second. Beat Iowa State, beat Oklahoma, and beat Mississippi to wheel off their last four four games of the season with wins. And the Mississippi game was a big win, a big win over Ole Miss in uh, their bowl game just a few days. I guess at this point it's been a week ago, right? Um, Big, strong finish of the season for Texas Tech, right? And uh, they went in the Texas Bowl to wrap it off. That's a pair of games, I think, start off the season on a rocky start for Houston and kind of had us all feeling some kind of way, but oh man, not again. We thought the 12 and 2 was going to be more of the kind of MO under the Holgerson era, and we felt like we're going backwards. And not that progress is always linear, but man, oh man, and watching those first two games felt like, oh, this is not the Houston of old. We thought we're coming off 12 and 2. We had a returning quarterback, returning pro receiver, and it, it just felt like things are supposed to be moving in the opposite direction. When realistically, this might have just told the rest of the country more about UTSA and Texas Tech, right? I mean, these are two teams that had very, very strong seasons. Tech finished at eight and five, which is similar to us, but in a power five schedule, right? Um, and honestly, they won a bigger bowl game and I guess a more uh, renowned opponent, right? And so I think it's worth pointing out like Texas Tech, we played them to overtimes and they were a very good team. And I think that's worth pointing out as we look back. Speaking of things we need to point out, we need to point out to you before we move on to Kansas and more losses, um, that this show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner, hiring or hiring can be the biggest thing for you in 2023. You make sure that all your success in 23 depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs and LinkedIn Jobs. You can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. You might not have thought that Dana Holgerson was a qualified candidate, and I've given him my fair share of my two cents throughout the season as I needed to, but we're seeing these losses might not have been so bad, right? Um, you can go beyond resumes data by using insightful uh, insights from your job's post and company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Some of these losses might have been different on a resume than you thought they were. Um, once you identify them, you can 
get connected with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right. So as I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, I have to say that truthfully, I think the gut punch early in the season that we would have understood not to be one was Kansas. Because by the time Houston played Kansas, it felt like Kansas might kind of be on upside alert for the entire Big 12, right? So Kansas had a big win over Tennessee Tech for the season, whatever. They turn around and beat West Virginia by a couple of scores. And I was like, okay, wait a second. And then they beat Houston in the third game of the season. I was like, oh man, Houston, you want to go in the Big 12, you want to move into the Big 12, and you're going to lose a program like Kansas, a basketball school. Now, obviously, Houston kind of a basketball school in its own right, but we feel like, oh, we're losing to a basketball school and football. What is going on here? Um, I remember that's around the time that the idea for this Locked on Kook show was starting, and I was like, I got to cover a football team that can't beat Kansas. What's going on? Kansas then turned around and beat Duke the next week and beat Iowa State the next week. Got out to a 5-0 and start on the season, right? Kansas was really good at football. And that's not a joke. That's not some quasi-universe that happened one season 15 years ago kind of thing. That's really what happened. They're trying to look at the TCU, the same TCU that's in the national championship game by a single touchdown, right? They lost by a single touchdown. And in that game, you saw, I guess, in that point of the season, I should say, because it, I guess, really happened the week before, as I would say, you saw Kansas have to make a switch at quarterback. Now, obviously, Jalen Daniels is significantly better, <laughs> I should say, than any other quarterback on the Kansas roster. And I think he, people thought, might have been a coveted guy in the transfer portal and those kinds of things. Um, had Jalen Daniels been able to finish the season, it's probably safe to say that they have a much stronger finish to the season, right? He played in nine games, um, and I think everyone kind of assumed that, you know, he had he been able to play in more than just nine games, they'd probably win more than six games in Kansas. Um, Kansas, however, did end up uh, playing in the Liberty Bowl, and it's like, oh, man, the Liberty Bowl. Kansas, Liberty Bowl, what? And then they took Arkansas to that crazy triple overtime finish, 55 to 53. They lose on the two-point conversions or whatever. But Kansas when they looked like the Kansas that played Houston, was able to take a top 20 SEC football team to triple overtime, right? Again, so in early, mid-September, you're thinking, what is going on with my Houston Cougar football program? They can't beat Kansas. Arkansas can barely beat Kansas, right? Like, like top-end SEC team can barely beat Kansas. And I think that when we look back at that loss, like, yes, it was the uh, biggest loss to that point on the Houston schedule. As weird as that is to say, because it wasn't like a, a crazy loss. They lost by 18, 40 to 30. Um, but it was a, I guess the first time we understood completely that, oh, Houston has trouble with these running quarterbacks. It's going to be a problem this season. It ended up being a problem the rest of the season. Admittedly, that was a thing to take away from that game that I think is fairly negative. But B, 
Kansas, with their dual threat quarterback, was really freaking good. <laughs> and I think that that's something we need to make sure we also take away from that season, uh, from that game, because in the moment, it was a time to poo-poo on the Houston Cougars. And looking back, I don't know. I don't know that it was. I don't know that it was. Speaking of games that I don't know that it was, um, two weeks, uh, I guess the next week, Houston barely beat Rice. And then two weeks later, Houston lost to Tulane. Now, when Houston lost to Tulane, they fell to two and three. And that felt like a big, like the sky is falling kind of moment because not only was Houston not able to beat the Big 12 teams on the schedule as a year that we're moving to the Big 12 next season, but they weren't going to be able to beat the American Conference teams either. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a problem. If you remember the two-lane game, I think the thing that people stuck uh, stuck with people the most of the two-lane game is that uh, Tulane had to play, I guess technically he was their third-string quarterback uh, at one point in just Nabita. Um, they also played Kai Horton, obviously, for a uh, a large stretch, uh, uh, for the majority of the game, I should say. Um, anyway, the big hang-up was we lost Tulane with their backup quarterback. But what I think we just all saw over the course of the season, Storing Tulane wasn't the quarterback, folks. It was a wide receiver named Deuce Watts that everyone in America had a hard time covering. And it was this running back that will be a pro this spring named Tajay Spears. And um, Tajay Spears is a true four-year, I, I guess he's technically, um, he was a, a freshman three times because of a red shirt and then COVID. And then last year, but he's, he's a fourth year of college kind of guy eligible for the NFL draft. I'm telling you, Tajay Spears right now is going to be a pro. And the way, if you go back and watch the tape on that one, because I pulled up the clips to make sure I wasn't like fooling myself on this. The way that the 5'10, 190 pound bowling ball running back that is Tajay Spears manipulated Houston's defense and sucked everyone in the box and pulled all those kinds of things down really changed the games, changed the game a lot for. Houston um, so much so that it, you know, you end up seeing like the quarterback Sanford ran a lot in the backfield because once he broke the pocket, all the focus inside the tackle box meant that there was room outside, not to say take off and run big time quarterback runs, but definitely to like dance around someone, find someone open or whatever. Right. Um, Tulane, I think we should say, and obviously if you're listening to this today, you probably just saw, but Tulane did have, a monstrous win over USC in the Cotton Bowl. Comeback uh, for the ages, right down 15 with four and a half minutes to go. Turn around and, and represent the American Athletic Conference very, very well with a quick touchdown on like you know two play drive to follow up, uh, cut the lead in half, and then a incredible like wild play kickoff that pinned USC deep inside the one yard line. Um, then got a safety a couple plays later got the ball back, drove down and scored to take the lead by a single point and then held firm on defense in the last few seconds of the game to win. Um, Representing the American Athletic Conference very, very well. That Tulane team, I should say, won the American Conference, right? That was not just some scrubby, random Tulane team. Their lone loss uh, in conference, I guess they lost two games in conference in the season, to Southern Miss and uh, to UCF. Both of those games were by a combined 10 points. So clearly they, they did very, very well over the course of the season. Um, honestly, my bigger thing, and we'll get into the other losses in a moment, is playing Tulane close, admittedly at home in a blackout atmosphere, etc., should have been an indicator that Houston should get another shot at Tulane, 
right? I think that's the thing that I walked away from that game feeling. And that's the thing that the rest of the season bore out is that was not actually a bad loss. It just should not have been the only time Houston got to play those guys. But unfortunately, it was. So if we're going to look at like what else happened over the course of the season, we do need to address the last two losses. And I guess I pause because I don't necessarily know, like, how do you even begin with the SME loss? So if you remember, the SME loss was November 5th. Score was 77 to 63. Yes, the running joke is that that was a football game that scored 77 to 63. Houston had just snuck back into the top 25 before that game started um, and would not see the top 25 again after. Um, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 touchdowns scored before halftime. The fireworks continued after halftime. Um, I will say that at one point in that game, if you go back and check that out, you remember that like Houston scored and then SMU scored and it felt like we're going back and forth, punch for punch, title fight kind of stuff. The offense was going to have that kind of day. Houston had two turnovers back to back that both turned into SMU points and then kind of just continued to trade scores and could never really break back over, uh, could over, never overcome those turnovers. Um, I, you know, SMU did have three fumbles, but didn't lose any of them. Um, Houston had three interceptions, right? That's the story of the game. They had three fumbles. We couldn't pick them up and we had three picks. And unfortunately, that's the way that in leaving the American conference, Houston ends the, uh, for now, ends the way we play that team at 545. I'm not saying there's a whole lot to take away positive from that one. The same way I thought there was in Kansas, the same way I thought that there was in Tulane, the same way I thought that there was in Tech, or even when I walked out of the overtime win over UTSA, right? I, I'm not saying that there are things that I felt good about after the SMU game. I will say, though, that I think one thing the U of H underestimated in this matchup is how much SMU cares that Houston got the Big 12 bid and they did not. And we play them again in basketball on Thursday. I don't know if the score is 77-63. If one team scores 77, I feel like it's Houston, but we'll see. Um, But clearly, that school up I-45 feels some kind of way about TCU getting the Big 12 bid about a decade or 15 years ago, and Houston in the Big 12 bid just recently. That's rubbing them a little bit wrong. Um, They came out the gates against against TCU to start the year, and... um, you know, then they turned around and beat us like they did this year. SMU did not finish the bad season. Um, they finished at seven and six, which is about where we finished. Because uh, into their bowl game, they played BYU, the same BYU that is also going into the Big Twelve next season, um, and lost by a single point when they went for two at the end. Right? Um, it won the overtime, going for two. The reference a couple of times at single score games thus far in this show. Um, but after scoring a touchdown, it could have tied it with the extra point. They went for two to try and win the game. Didn't go their way. Um, worth pointing out, uh, Mordecai, their quarterback that had an electric game against Houston, did enter the transfer portal and did make his way to a Power 5 team in Wisconsin, looks like, if my latest reporting is correct there. So, like, again, thinking about, like, things take away from this game. They have a first-round pro receiver, at, uh, a first-round pro draft pick, soon to be at wide receiver, Rasheed Rice. They got a power five quarterback. Um, 
obviously 77 points is too many points. Uh, it's again, 11 touchdowns. Um, but on the whole, I, I do feel like, um, you know, I, that's one I kind of understand as far as like, they, they bluntly wanted it more. And I think Dana said as much after the fact. And my criticism has always been that when Dana says those kinds of things, or we point out those kinds of things you and I do, it's like, okay. And there's one dude's job. It is to fix that D so fix it. Right. Um, I said to say that like SMU is not bad. Giving up 77 is inexplicable. Right. So I'm not going to try and dismiss that one. Um, but if you told me they lost 28-27, I might understand it, right? It's the 77 that I'm having a hard time dealing with there, not just the loss. SMU was a good football team, was a heated rivalry, crazy things happen in rivalry. The issue there was giving up the points, not taking an L. I mean, to the degree that any – we're grading losses, so they're all Ls, right? Um, and then the lowest of low was Houston somehow found themselves uh, in the last week of the regular season – still alive uh, in the American athletic conference with some, it, they needed more than just winning the game, but if they'd beaten Tulsa in the final week of the season, November 26th. Um, they would have had uh, a, a roundabout way of getting into the American athletic conference championship game and getting another shot at Tulane. Again, I mentioned that I wanted to beat Tulane. I thought Tulane was a good, good team. We played them fairly closely early in the season and they handled, you know, handled this business against Tulsa. They would have, and they, didn't uh they lost dual threat quarterback got us again in that game um lost by seven points to tulsa at home um tulsa finished at five and seven and did not get selected at five and seven to enter a bowl game um i i have to say that if i'm like pointing fingers and pulling this out and pulling that out as far as like what to pull out of that one that's less uh, less explicable than the the SMU one, right? Because um, should they have given up 37 points to Tulsa? Absolutely not. Should they have scored more than 37 points against Tulsa's defense? Yeah. Um, at home, senior night, Clayton Toon, Tank Dell, that connection last time on the field, last time in Houston. Yes, they should have. They should have scored more than 37 points. They also should not have given up 37 points. Uh, you know, we talk about Sack Ab kind of felt like. Uh, I don't know, negated because of the rushing quarterback uh, and the options they had there. Um, I could talk some about DB play. I'm not going to throw a bunch of kids and DBs under the bus too much there, but they didn't play great. What I will say, though, is that we were not the only team Tulsa played an ugly, sloppy mess like that. They also played the same Ole Miss team. We talked about Tech and da-da-da. Tulsa played them to a single-score game as well early, early in the season. Um and frankly, had several other close games, Temple, uh, SMU for most of that game, Tulane for most of that game. Um, they beat South. They had several other close games in the American Conference. The one that sticks out, though, was a close loss. Um, you know, a, a what is that? I'm not going to math. An eight-point loss to Ole Miss um, in, early, in mid-September. And I think that what's interesting there is, like, that should have been the tape that Dane and those guys watched. Say, hey, we need to come ready to play because while they lost to – Memphis and lost to Navy and lost to SMU or whomever. We know that they can step up and play power five ball. They've stepped up and played Ole Miss very, very close. Um, and so again, as we've gone on here, the losses only got less 
easy to explain as the season wore on. And I think that's why, as we look into recruiting tomorrow, it's going to be important to note that like Houston has to push forward in the spring. Houston has to push forward through the transfer portal. Houston has to push forward through summer because they can't start next season where they ended this one, even though I enjoyed uh, watching the Independence Bowl. And we had this whole episode a few episodes back about how they won that and how fun that was. Good to see those guys go out on a high note. But it is the kind of thing where, um, unfortunately, they don't have the, the luxury of just like picking up the left off next season. They've got to progress between now and then because they kind of ended with some weird ones. Again, if they just lost to Tech, if they just lost to Kansas, if they just lost to Tulane, those are games against good teams. Losing the SMU in a rivalry game, that's a good team. Uh, it's a rivalry game, right? Those things happen. Some of these, some of these don't. And that's that's the real problem. If you got other real problems, you can talk to me at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512. Twitter, Instagram, I'll be real. Whatever you got to talk to me, I will talk to you on. We talk all things Cougs. I just started a Substack on basketball, so make sure you check out that as well. All those things at Painsworth512. I'll also be posting links to this show each and every day. So make sure you get follow and do those all those fun things. Thank you for making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. If you're looking for a second listen of the day, let me recommend Locked on College Basketball because – Andy and I spent two segments on that show talking about the Houston Cougars and how they might be the number one basketball team in the country come the next ratings. So make sure you go check that out as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Locked on Cougars, the primary Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.